Shamai Akroiso. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket podcast. Hook Cricket Club in Pembrokeshire is celebrating its centenary this year. They very kindly invited me down to their PCA Legends Day in August when they had eight ex-England internationals who played a bit of cricket as well as mixing with the locals. What you'll hear later in the episode is an interview on that day with 85-year-old president of the club, Evan Martin. But before that, we have two other important members of the club to speak to who are going to tell us a little bit about the history of the club, but also the village as well. Jamie Phelps will talk about the present-day club and their centenary celebrations. But first, Dave Petrie fills us in on the history of the village. I hope you enjoy the episode. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection with the cricket club, first of all? Um, yeah, my name's uh, David Petrie. Um, I'm uh, obviously born and bred uh, from the village. Uh, been obviously involved from the cricket club um, since my childhood, um, since I was old, old enough to play. And... Um, Spent long summers playing. Soon as soon as if, if it was the field was dry enough, we'd be out there playing cricket with a tennis ball. Gangs of us, twenty, 20 sometimes 20, 20, 30 of us. You know, all all the children in the village would be out on the field. So yeah, I've had obviously a long connection with the uh, with the cricket club uh, and the village itself. I'm currently oh, I wear various hats. Um, I'm a club welfare officer. Uh, club development officer, coach organizer, and I coach the under nines at the moment. So I, I have done other age groups. And this year, I've, although I, up until this year, I normally just cut the outfield, but this year, unfortunately, I've had to step up and, and, and do the, do the, do the wicket and square as well, you know, especially the last couple of months of the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm spending a lot of my time, um, up on the field. I'm also chairman of the, um, the community council and, um, chairman of the trust who own the playing field so yeah i'm involved in quite a lot of things that sounds like quite a list of responsibilities <laughs> tonight we're going to be relying on you to tell us a little bit of the history of the club um but perhaps before we do that can you just sketch out a little bit about what you know of the history of the village well hook itself would uh, i think the, the name hook has only been in existence i think it's first recorded in in 1601 so um, it's it's quite a, a you know an, a newish village really compared to some of our you know neighbouring communities. It derives its name we we believe from from the meander the hook shaped meander on the, the river Clethai, which obviously bounds the village. The village has relied on for its exist, existence um, as well as fishing, obviously ex, um, exporting coal, uh, and it was the only way in and out of the village until the. Um, the, the road was it was connected by road in in the in 1922. Obviously, the village itself is called the, the Black Diamond Village. It produced um, very high quality um, anthracite, which had a, a great reputation worldwide um, and exported all over the world. Places like Singapore, it was used uh, during the First World War as well to um, to obviously run the boilers on ships um, because of its its quality. And even Queen Victoria, we understand, insisted on Pembrokeshire, Pembrokeshire coal. Coal has been dug in Hook for for many centuries, but it was obviously only in till the um, the eighteen hundreds um, that um, coal mining was expanded. I mean, at the t- at that time, probably 
up until the 1600s, there were only like two farms and a few cottages in the in, in, in the village. Uh, and now there are 470 households. So, um, you know, it has really has grown over over a couple hundred years. Yeah, the Pembrokeshire coalfield extends from Saundersfoot um, on the south coast of, of Pembrokeshire through to Knowlton Haven on, on the west. And Hooker obviously was in the, in, in the middle of Pembrokeshire, which, and it was obviously the centre of, of, of mining operations together with Bondle Court in, in Saundersfoot. By the mid-1800s, um, Pembrokeshire was producing more than a third of, uh, of all coal anthracite that was produced in, in the South Wales coalfield. Um, which is quite quite amazing, really. At its peak, um, over eighty thousand tons of coal per annum were exported uh, by ship. Um, but by nineteen twenty, that that percentage dropped to only one percent. Hook um, at its peak had two hundred and fifty colliers uh, and um, produced, I think, the most in one year was forty two thousand tons per annum, um, which is <laughs> amazing, really. Um, the seams or veins, as they were known, were, were very fractured, uh, and obviously that's why mining was so so difficult, uh, and also at different depths. Some coal could virtually, you know, virtually be on the on the surface, um, and others were other veins were were 200, 200, 250 feet deep, and all this was was hand dug in, with small groups of men. A, a lot of the photographs we've got that some of the older of of the miners, and, and you've got. A group of sort of five or six men sitting next to a shaft, you know. So and, and that was that was it. That was that shift that were working that that particular um, particular mine. Um, but the mines were scattered all over the village, like you said, at different depths. I mean, I've got I've got a few acres of land here, and and it's almost like a little. I mean, you've got to know where to look for it now. A lot of the evidence is dis- is, is is hidden by. Trees and and um, and bushes. Um, I'm quite lucky. I've got a little piece of twelve acres, and it, it it wasn't cleared. So, but the workings I've got on my land were were very old. So they were probably from the the 1700s. So I've got embank little embankments and um, shafts. You've got bell pits there, and then you've got um, uh, you know quite large spoil heaps. Um, but um, and so you haven't got a you've only got to scratch the surface to find the coal. You know, it, it's uh, this this coal to be found everywhere. <laughs> Just got to know where to look for it. You know, I, I always when I walk the dog, you know, I used to walk my dog. I, I I always pick up a piece of coal and put it in my pocket. You know, uh, because it shines. You know, once it once it's wet, you know, you, you can see it. It's glistening on the surface, so it's, it's very easy to see. I mean, obviously, used. I mean, in Hook, it, it, it there was no mechanization. You know, it was all it was all hand dug, uh, and obviously, in later years, they used dynamite. I mean, the colliery itself was was privately owned by uh, Harcourt Powell, who who owned the whole Hook Estate. The miners themselves were paid a pittance. You know, a typical labourer was only earning a pound a week. You know, which is you know for for working long long hours. You know, seven you know eight hour shift. It was you know it's virtually slave labour really, um, because they they were paid a you know sort of half if not less what the the miners were in the, in the South Wales coalfield. I've got I've got a record here in 1921. I think the, the most the most well paid um, cure, uh, you know, the, would be the one digging at the coal face. Four pounds two shillings a week, um, and that was the most well paid man in 1921 in the Hook Colliery. Obviously, a lot of my uh, a lot of my ancestors um, were colliers, so you know it's um, yeah, and I know you know you know what what they what hardship they 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 had to go 
go through just to exist, you know, it was hand-to-mouth existence. Um, my grandfather was the, the clerk when the uh, the quarry was nationalised in, in 1948. and uh, Well, it was nationalised in 1946 and then and then closed, it closed in 1948. And it was, it was decided that, although there was still plenty of coal there, um, it was up to uneconomic to, to, to dig it out. Um, and it was too great a risk from water and old workings because a lot of them obviously were un, unrecorded, uh, which had caused some, some of the you know, disasters and, and, and floodings of, of mines o- over the years. Oak was the last colliery to to close in, in the um in the Pembrokeshire coalfield um after Bonville Court closed in, in the early nineteen thirties. Um and at that time obviously it was producing a lot of coal and the decision was made to connect it by rail to the main line in Johnson. So um you know it's uh, so that that was the end of the the um um, the days when the, the ships, you know, used to load from the quay. So, uh, but the quay still exists down there. It's falling apart slowly, but um, you know, it's it's still there. The the miners, or it's miners generally, perhaps, are, are well known for the things that they did when they weren't down the pit. And, and and one of one of the sort of local buildings in many mining towns and villages was the the Miners Institute. Can you tell us a little bit about the the Miners Institute in Hook? The institute, or tutors, was effectively known, was um, was built in 1921. Uh, originally, it was called the Hook Work, Workmen's Hall, um, and miners donated a few pence a week um, to save up enough money to buy it. And I, I think they purchased the the land uh, for for ten pounds, and like I said, in 1921, for again from Harcourt Powell. They'd hold their meetings in the, in the, in the in the hall. Um, they weren't members of the South Wales Union, but they had their own sort of uh, lodge meetings, as they called them, which they held in the hall. But obviously they held their meetings there. Um, it was used for community events, and um, they had a, a small library there, and they'd have newspapers delivered daily because obviously they couldn't afford them themselves. So they had a reading room, a small reading area there where they uh, they could go in and read books and, and read the newspapers. Um, by the 1930s, the... the the tube was um, it was deemed too small, so they extended it. Um, and again, the miners paid for the uh, for the extension. I think that cost about eight hundred pounds. I think obviously cricket and billiards was, was the, with his, that was their, their sport. You know that was their escape. So they they put a billiards table in in the um, in in one of the rooms, and uh, which the table is still in use today. You know it's in the sports club. Uh, and the boy, you know, has played. There's two snooker teams there, so they like play on that um, every week. It's got a lot of stories to tell, I'm sure. Um, they also played table tennis. Um, I know my mum played table tennis there. She she was quite a key table tennis player. She lived opposite the, the sports club, um, so they had t- tables, tennis tables. Um, and uh, I did obviously the mention the the the, the Billiards team was was quite a successful team, and I think they won the league in the in the mid thirties. And again, there's a photographs of that that team in, in, on the wall in the sports club. So mine was to you know it's got a great history. Unfortunately, it fell into uh, into rack and ruin. The building deteriorated, and um, which is a great shame. In its place now, we have the, uh, the memorial garden and. Um, uh, where we hold the remembrance services as well, and there's a war memorial there for, to the to those that are lost in the village during the during the wars. So, when and how does uh, 
cricket start in in uh, and particularly the the Hook Cricket Club, uh, Dave. Well, the first recorded match um, was in August 1920 um, against Rosemarket. The team um, in that first game, uh, I can reel off the names here, some of which I know, some I don't. Um, Joe Bell, F. Thomas, W. Edwards, M. Williams, Jack Worthing and Tom Worthing, I think must have been the sons of the, the Corrie. I think the Corrie manager was a Mr. Worthing, I, I believe. William James Davis, who was a farmer, um, Rowley Davis, F. Martin, G. G. Jenkins, and, and G. James. So they were the, they were in the first recorded team. Through the 1920s, the following stalwarts were regular team members. Fred, Fred and Harold Banner, Rowley Davis, William Martin, Joe Bell, Monty Russon, Ivor, Billy and Tom Phelps, William James Davis, Kenny and Harold Jenkins, and... Of course, William James, who were actually known as Jamps, who who did everything, you know, for the club from the from the twenties through to the um, uh, the nineteen nineteen eighties, um, probably. Um, yeah, Jamps was um, was he served as chairman and he did the grounds and he looked after the grounds, so he was uh, he was heavily involved. He, he was one of the um, people who were heavily involved in, in the cricket for. for 30, 40 years, well, more than that, 50, 60 years. Games at the time during during this period were, were uh, relatively low-scoring affairs. Uh, I'll just give you an example of one game against Sinishmals. Uh, this was played on September the 4th, 1926. Huck were all out for 16. Top scorer was three. There were three, three players on three. And Tish were all out for 14. And Fred Banner had the remarkable figures of nine for nine. And Kenny Jenkins took the other wicket for five runs, so there are no extras. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I can just give you an idea of some of the um, some of the teams that were playing: Urbranston, Lorraine, Hundleton, Pembroke, Cosheston, Milford Haven, Haken, Rosemarket, Williamston, which was obviously Burton. Uh, Waterston, Angle, Tenby and Whitland. Hook played many of their early matches on land at Nash. They played at Nash and they had to carry their equipment um, down across the fields, across the stream, up to the play, up to the field, which was quite a sloping field. I think the wicket itself was flat, but the field ran off quite steeply. And I don't think you could see this whoever was feeling down the bottom. With the purchase of the playing field in 1948, soon, like I said, it soon became the home of the, of, of the permanent home of, of the cricket team. And the village hall of shoots was used for changing facilities with uh, each your opponents one side of the the, the, the billiard table and uh, the hook team on the other, and that that was your, your changing facilities. You know, we 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 used to wait outside. That we we had they used to make fantastic teas. Um, it, hook was renowned for the for the quality of its teas. Um, you know, we had some great cooks in the village. We'd have you know sort of cream scones and and. Um, Cream horns, you know, with jam and cream in, and, and, and the, you know, uh, and they were just amazing. So we used to we used to always wait outside the uh, the, the the door to the chute, uh, waiting the, for the players to finish, um, and and then we we dash in and, and polish everything off. And the children still do that now. The Pembrokeshire League was established in in about the year uh, in the nineteen fifties, and and in the late fifties. Well, I think 1958, Hook got to the Harrison Allen final, uh, and they did again in 1964, uh, losing 
very narrowly the first time. I think they should have won. And a typical team then would have included the following. Um, Glyn Banner, who scored the first recorded century for the village. Roy ba- his, his brother Roy Banner, Colin Phelps, George Phillips, Brian Juno, John, Kenny Banner, John Lloyd, Charlie Eastman, Alan Phillips, Adrian Thomas, Gerald Thomas, Terry Hitchens, Evan and Gordon Reese and Jeffrey Phelps as well. The second team um, started in the early 70s. You know, when I started playing, obviously I played junior cricket. I played for the most of, most of my cricket from the age of 14, 15 for the seconds. And I, and I met some, you know, great characters um, over, the, over the years. You know, it was, it's just great fun to play with, you know, and great memories, you know, and, and stars like Emlyn Morgan, Norman Lay and Adrian Griffiths used to were the groundsmen. Um, uh, Gerald Thomas, who did again did everything for, for the for the cricket club. He he cut the field on his tractor. He he did the junior teams. Um, you know, um, he's no longer sadly no longer with us. But he, he was you know great memories of of Gerald, Terry Hitchens, uh, Glyn Banner, who I played with, and then you got let let Les. Hastings, Mike, Michael Thornbury, unfortunately no no longer with us, Tudor Thomas, Mark Hughes, Andrew Absalom, Victor Absalom, Paul Brindley Locke. Um, these these were just they were just great, great people to be around. It it was forty two years before we got to another Harrison Island semi final, which was in the year two thousand. I mean, over the years we've had a very successful ladies' side. For the last probably twenty years, Sam Roster has, has run the ladies section. Um, she's represented Wales. She's got numerous caps for Wales. You know, they've won numerous league titles. Um, so they've done fantastically well. And we've got a very strong junior section, which we have done for over the last few years. And, we, and all our current um, senior side are, are very much that, that sort of under 11 side from sort of 10, you know, 10, 11 years ago. So we've got a very young team. Um, probably the average age, the current age is, is, is probably about 21. The current crop of youngsters, you've got the Phelps boys. You know, James big big part of our club. Um, and he's done, you know, he's, he's organised most things during our centenary season. So, he's, he's you know, he's a, he's a great stalwart. But, but, you know, he's done a fantastic job for us this year. You know, Reese is youngest. He's got Alid Owen. Uh, and now Reese is, you know, virtually knocking on the door. I'm sure he'll, he'll be a regular first teamer now that next year. And he's only, what, 15? Um so and then we got Keith James's son Callum. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, they're very much all homegrown. They're all all you know youth boys who played from the youth, and that's what we do in Hook. We don't we don't go looking to pinch players from elsewhere. It's always been the case since since I was a, a junior. You know, it's it, it's always been boys you've grown up with playing as a team, losing as a team. You know, winning, losing as a team. You know. Drinking as a team afterwards. We're hoping like next season to get back. We just missed out this season on promotion to the first division, but next year we're hoping they'll they'll do the business and, and get promoted. There've been a lot of great um, cricketers who represented Hook over the years. Um, people like which are Glyn Banner, Terry Hitchens, Juno John, Gerald Thomas, um, and in more recent times, you know we've had stalwarts from my era like. You know, Brennan Lay, Keith James, Andrew Thomas, um, the late Nick Absalom, Mark Hughes, Andrew Absalom. I mean, these are all these are all great, great people to play with. They really were. Um, and we were very fortunate. I mean, we had we had three outstanding cricketers in, in who had Welsh caps 
Um, with Gary Martin as as youths then as juniors, you Gary Martin was all rounder. Uh, also went on to play for Glamorgan. Um, John Reese, um, who was a wicketkeeper batsman, um, and virtually retired from cricket when, when when he joined the police. So, but and he but he was a you know a fantastic fantastic player. Um, and um, Stephen Fraser, who again moved away, unfortunately, he's back living in Pembrokeshire now. But uh, you know, we we lost we lost him when he was <laughs> in his teens, um, and he was again a great wicketkeeper batsman. I'd also like to mention some of the some of the characters, not so much cricketers, but people that, you know, the committee men and people who who've contributed, uh, men and women, really, to to the success, you know, the the, the club over the years. People like the late Johnny Hannaford, uh, who I remember as always as chairman, um, and he lived up the road for me and and was forever in the garden. And whenever I I passed, it was like we had to talk about cricket, you know, it had to be cricket. The team, you know, who was going to play this week and. Um, and he, he, he absolutely, you know, loved, loved, loved it. Uh, Hugh Breeze, who's still with us, he was secretary for many years. Um, and Don Wicks, Don Wicks, a treasurer. Um, one great character was the late Arthur Green, who was um, he was the scorer for 40, 50 years from from a boy. Really, you see photographs of, of the team from the, you know, nineteen sixties, and there is Arthur's there as a boy scorer. You know, and uh, and he did it. You know, well into the into the two thousands, um, and Arthur loved it. I mean, his his scorebooks were just you. You didn't want to have to score after Arthur had scored because his everything was unbelievably neat. Uh, bless you know, it was just incredible. And you can say the same about Joy James now. You know, Joy, we're lucky to have Joy. Joy loved scoring, um, and um, she again Joy. We'll score for the first seconds, ladies, um, and we're lucky to have lucky to have her, you know. And she's, um, I mean, she loves it, you know. Again, her scorebook is just immaculate. Another person I'd like to mention is Arthur's brother Trevor. Uh, Trevor was um, he was a second team captain when I was I was growing up, and uh, and then groundsman for a number of years. Oh, the late Aubrey John. Now Aubrey used to be the the the, the team umpire, and Aubrey didn't have he couldn't. His hearing wasn't very good, yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> and his eyesight wasn't particularly good either. So uh, perfect for umpiring. Yeah, or, or if he, if he, like, if you were probably okay, and this applied to the uh, your home team as well as the opposition. The third appeal, and you were gone. It, it, so, you, uh, you, if you did, there'd been two appeals. You knew what was coming. You did, didn't let the ball hit your pads again because you were gonna, <laughs> the finger was going to go up. But Aubrey was just, um, oh, he was, he was a great, great character. I, you know, in my teens, I, I'd have to because I was one, one, you know, one of the younger ones in the side. I, I'd be, um, I'd have to go in the back of Aubrey's three wheeler, reliant Robin, going to second team matches, um, and I'd be in the back, lying on amongst the other. You know the, the the bags and all the kit um, and AD Buffs. Um, it was um, another fantastic character. Who obviously, was groundsman as well. Um, and AD in the front and going to places like RAF Broadly to play. On one occasion, I remember going, and um, it had rained um, quite heavily, um, so we turned up. Um, and and it, the sun had come out by then, but the wicket was soaking wet. Um, so that 
So the call went to the rescue helicopter. So they sent the Sea King over to hover over the wicket to blow all the water off. (laughs) Because they had unbelievably cheap beer. And that was probably my first introduction to alcohol as well. You know, I remember on one occasion, I think we were virtually the last to leave. Albury was driving, but AB Buffs wanted a few extra beers because we were paying a few pence for for a pint um, in the clubhouse there, which was like in an old farmhouse. On the edge of the uh, on the edge of the airfield, and uh, yeah, I, I had trouble explaining my hangover to my parents in the morning. But great memories. Yeah, I've mentioned um, Keith James and Andrew Thomas, who who um, have served as groundsmen, um, and they're sort of real club stalwarts. Uh, Phil Griffiths is another one who, who sh- should be mentioned because uh, Phil, you know, did a lot for the club uh, for a number of years. Um, um, Repaired our machines, you know, filled, filled it everything. He was chairman. You know, we'd love to thank the likes of, of Phil and Keith and Andrew for all, of, for all the work they've done over the years. I'd also, um, I mean, I mentioned, you know, obviously the, the coaching team. Um, and we, we're lucky to have the likes of Matthew Holder. Um, but in particularly, John, John Willington, who's been with the club for probably 10 years or more. He came here because his sons wanted to play cricket. Um, and um, John then, uh, we put him through his coaching qualifications and he just embraced everything, you know, about the club. Um, extremely enthusiastic. I mean, every club should have a John Wellington. You know, he's just a great, great guy. I, I've got to mention the, the, the tea ladies um, because obviously they, you know, week in, week out, we all have a list of things to produce, but the tea ladies deserve a mention. And I mentioned before about the cream horns and things that we used to have over the years, you know, and, and you know, fantastic teas. Um, but so these girls, you know, and there's a, there's a hardcore bunch of them who who, um, who deserve a mention, like to Claire Phelps, you know, Jamie's wife, Debbie Lay, uh, Joy, uh, Lynn Thomas, uh, Jane Thomas, who, again, Jane has been, which I did fail to mention, Jane's been our treasurer for, for many years. Yeah, uh, plus, plus others, um, but, you know, we're very fortunate to have these te- you know, these girls who appear to, to butter the butter the bread and uh, and turn up on a on a Saturday afternoon and and, um, and do the teas for us. Obviously, I spoke about the um, you know, mentioned the recreation field, obviously, which is a big part of our you know of, of the village here. It was purchased on the twenty uh, second of April, um, nineteen forty eight, from again the 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 estate owner Harcourt Powell. Well, at one time, up until 1920, he owned everything in the village. The miners again contributed from the from the from the salaries in into a fund to be able to purchase the field. And in 1948, it cost 230 pounds, which was for for four acres was quite a lot of money. My great grandfather was was part of the negotiating team team, and he died in 1940. So it just shows, you know, it, you know, it took many years uh, to purchase the field. The signatories who were part of the negotiating team at the time in 1948 were Cyril Jenkins, William James Davis, who we've mentioned before, John Griffiths George, who was the clerk of the colony, who was my grandfather, and James Banner. And the Hook Miners Trust were then set up as as the trustees, which is the current situation at the moment. So I'm, I'm chairman. And obviously, you know, the playing field, is, the recreation field is, is you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic facility that we have. It's, it's a, you know, a legacy to the miners and all the, the hardship that they had to endure to, to provide it for us, you know, and, and that's what, we, you know, we, we constantly try and remind people, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, it's incredible what facility we have. The cricket club have a have a lease on the on the playing on the grass area of the field, um, so they are responsible for for cutting the grass. And also on the on the field, we've got a, a village play park. It's been there since the early nineties, um, but obviously everything's very worn out. So we've we've raised funds now, and we're, it's a forty five thousand pound scheme to revamp it. So it should be finished. This week, I hope we've also got plans for a garden area down the bottom of the field. Again, we've got we've got funding for, uh, and the field itself. Yeah, we've got a new net facility, um, which took many years of hard work and obviously developing our junior section to be able to to to, to get that grant. You know, and we had a grant of forty thousand pounds to for new new cricket net. So we've got a new two lane cricket net facility, which has been there for two years. We also have the memorial garden, the miners trust are responsible for, where the uh, uh, we hold the remembrance services where the uh, memorial is for the for those lost during the wars. During the you know the sort of um, the seventies, early eighties, with the the village hall being used far less uh, and, and very limited facilities, a decision was made to set up a, a new committee to try and raise funds for um, for a new a new hall uh, with changing rooms and a bar and. Uh, it was all funded from within the village, which is a remarkable achievement. There were no, there were no grants. A lot of the tradesmen who, who worked on it were all people from within the village who gave up their time for free. That was completed in 1984. And it, it really is, we're, we're, again, it's something we're very fortunate to have. For many years, we had a football team. Uh, and they play a lot of a range of sports in there. You, know, you have your darts teams. You've got your, your, your snooker table in there, which is the old one from the village hall. Um and but there is also a, a bowls club, indoor bowls, which are very successful. A lot of international um, bowlers play for our team, uh, so they've had a lot of them are representative honours and Welsh champions and and you name it. So the sports club bowls, as well as a, a members bar, it also has a, a big function room, and that is well used for weddings and and uh, birthdays. Um, and uh, currently, although they've been tough times over the years, you know, and it's hard to keep a, a, a building like that like that going. Uh, currently, it's, it's it's well supported. So that in in the last few years, they've done they've done very well, and they're looking to to carry out more improvements. It sounds very much, Dave, like the playing field and the sports club are the beating heart of the village. That's what it feels like listening to you talk about it. Is is that how you see it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's in the centre of the village. You know, it's right next to the school, right next to the village shop. I feel responsible uh, because obviously a lot of my ancestors helped to pay towards it and help, you know, in the negotiations. I'll finish with a question perhaps about the cricket club. I, I asked Evan this question as well when I spoke to him. A hundred years have gone by since the formal club has, has started. Uh, how do you see the next 100 years, Dave? Well, we've got facilities on site, haven't we? You know, and you've got, you know, we've got, we've got some great facilities there. Um, we've, got, we've got a, you know, a young team. We've got a youth policy. You know, going forward, we've got, we've got, um, they're all very much, um, you know the young team that we've got now will be will be I'd hope involved in the cricket club for another 30, 40 years, just like just like myself, you know. And it's all about having fun, you know. Yes, it's always nice to win, but it's all about participating in sport, isn't it? And and you know, cricket has always been a big part of this village. So and hopefully that will continue for like I said, hopefully another hundred years. Thanks, Dave, for your time this evening. It's been lovely listening to you, chat. <laughs> okay, thanks, Stephen. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Jamie. Thank Do you want to 
tell us a little bit about you and your connection with uh, Hook Cricket Club first. Yeah, um, I'm obviously born and bred in Hook. Um, I think I've been playing for Hook for over 45 years. I think I was six, seven when I when I started playing there. My dad was playing there, so um, it's in the village. It's always been there. Um, so yeah, and uh, carried on playing right through. I've, I've been captain probably for about 30 years. That I've been that I've been there as well between the first and uh, most recently the seconds because I've gone there with the kids trying to get them through. Met my wife Claire, and then she does the tees. Same as pretty much six or seven of the boys in the team. Their wives do the tees, and they didn't have much choice. If they wanted to see us on a Saturday, they had to come along and do the tees, or they didn't really see us. So that's probably the same in most village clubs. I would think it's uh, and obviously bring the kids along as well. And luckily, a lot of us have had boys, so they've all carried on the tradition and played for Huck as well. And you, I know your son is uh, plays f- for the team, and he's had quite a successful season. Have I got that right? Yeah, I got three boys. They're they're all they're, two of them are in the first, and one's in the seconds. And they've all Alex, the captain of the first. Um, Owen's a right arm spinner and and a batsman as well. And then I got Reese with me, who's the youngest, who's fifteen. He's just won the Pembrokeshire Youth um, Batsman of the Year. He scored over five hundred runs in Division Three, um, and he bowls a bit of medium pace as well. So uh, yeah, he's he's done well too. Fantastic. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the club in your time um, of being actively involved with it, Jamie, how, how it's kind of um, developed, um, some of the kind of uh, changes that have taken place uh, whilst you've been a player and now a, an administrator? Yeah, um, like obviously it's, it's been the same people. We, we've always had the same sort of boys playing locally for the last 20, 30 years. None of our boys have gone anywhere else. Um, a lot of teams sort of take one or two of the better players and, and they go to them. But Huck has been quite lucky. They haven't had any, they haven't lost anyone. They've always stayed in Huck. But just going on to about the last sort of 10, 12 years, we, we made a big decision, Huck, that we had to have some youth there because all of us were in our 40s playing in the first. And we, and we, were, we weren't really going anywhere. We'd have been probably one team in Division 3, maybe Division 4. Um, so myself and a, and a guy, John Wellington, who's a, um, just stepped down as chairman, um, but he, he was instrumental in getting everything going here with the juniors. He got two young boys, uh, Oscar Willington and Seth Willington, were two fantastic cricketers. I had three boys in the setup, uh, Lewis Miller and uh, Liam Miller, which are Andrew Miller's boys. We had like four sets of brothers here at one time, Jacob and Luke Owen as well. They moved away then up to Sinclair's. But in one team, we had we had four sets of brothers that won the the local cup finals and whatever year. We went from under, under 11s or under 9s to under 15s, under 16s and never lost a game. All of these boys are just lucky they all come around the same time. But we, we had to make a conscious effort there that we had to have the kids in. So that's what we did. We just give the kids all a chance in the seconds. They all carried on playing, carried on playing. And eventually, the first team recently, or yes, uh, Sunday, won the T20 Cup down in Pembroke Dock um, with an average age of under 20, which which is like fantastic for all them boys. Uh, two 15-year-olds, three 16-year-olds, I think was in there, four 18-year-olds in the side. It's um, And, and they're, they're, they're a good young side there now. So hopefully if they stay together, um, they'll they'll do well and try and get in the first division. Was, was that decision you say you made was did, was it hard work to try and change uh, the club and change the effort and and the time yeah put into to youth? Yeah, well, it was definitely it was it was something that we we'd never done before. A lot of local clubs hadn't had it either. They'd sort of had the the boys playing for them. Junior junior cricket in Pembrokeshire is is probably it's it's okay at the moment, but it's not. It wasn't as strong years ago. There wasn't much down there. So now what we're just trying to do is get as many kids involved, trying to include everyone. They've now got Huckers had two under nine sides or maybe three under nine sides. On a Friday night, you know, there's probably 40 kids 
training on a Friday night, 50 kids. Um, and, and there's a few teams now. Cresselli have started doing it. Cresselli probably got 60 or seven down, 70 down there. Dan Cherry is instrumental down there as well. The, obviously, the ex-Glamorgan player. That's where he's from. So there's it's, it's coming back in now, but it's, it's hard competing with football and rugby because that sort of play 12 months of the year. It's, it's, it's difficult. And a lot of teams, if you, if you play cricket, they're, they're training in football training, rugby training is on a Saturday and Sunday. And, and they sort of choose to play for two hours rather than play six or seven hours in, in cricket. It's, it's a difficult one to try and get the kids to stick at it. Very hard. Like John Willington, after you go from under 15s, John Willington set up a side, like a county youth side, um, trying to keep them kids playing from 16 to 18, which is which is really difficult. Um, and, and he did that very successfully. And the, the last two seasons, they've had four or five fixtures with like Pembrokeshire Seniors, Wales XL. So I've had some great, great fixtures as well. Um, this year has been the centenary year of the club, Jamie. Do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about how you approached that year, what you wanted to do, and some of the events that you've uh, um, you've you've held to 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 uh, celebrate the centenary? Yeah, um, we we had a committee meeting early last year, sort of seeing what we could do, something different because it's it's a hell of a thing, an achievement, hundred years, and obviously our president Evan Martin, who you spoke to earlier, is in his eighth decade there, and it was something we thought of try and get something nice down there for him because he's 85 years of age. Uh, he might not look 85, but, but he is 85. And uh, I, I, I got hold of a couple of clubs. Um, Lashians were one, and obviously the PCA Legends were one. Lashians were very difficult. It was it was so expensive to try and get them down there. We just thought it was unrealistic to do it. And I had some prices back to get the Legends down there. And then I thought, if I could if I could sort of sell 200 tickets or 20 tables, and, and we could try and get them on, get them down there or whatever, come to Huck. Uh, and I spoke to a guy called Steve Newell from the PCA Legends. Um, and, and he sort of said, yeah, we'd be delighted to come. We've only be, ever been to uh, Wales once before. That was Gowerton about four or five years ago. And I spoke to their chairman, Keith Thomas, um, about it and whatever. He told me, I'll go for it if I could. Um, and especially as we got the hall in the, in the actual club, we don't have to hire marquees or anything like that. So there was no cost for us that way. The hall, look after us, the hall sports club actually paid for the food and all for that day that you were at. Which which is which helps us um, unbelievable. It's, it's great like for them to do that for us. Um, so we we arranged that sort of fixture twelve months ago, and then every sort of two months they'd release a player to me who was coming down, and they got a pool of about forty five players, twenty five players everyone would have heard of, but about twenty players. Unless you were a cricketer, you may not know some of them. But the the, the stipulation is for the legends that they got to play for England, um, and and we were as you saw, we were fortunate. Some of the players they sent down to hook was was fantastic. Monty Panazar, Malloy, um, uh, Andy Carrick, uh, Dean Headley, Samit Patel, which was a great one because all our boys in that first team had only really heard of Samit Patel and Monty Panazar because they're all so young. They, they didn't really know who Malloy and Andy Carrick were, apart from like videos they'd seen years ago. Um, but in, in the meantime, Simon, of that we. Simon we Jones, a, of course. Uh, Simon Jones, of course. Yeah, of course, Simon Jones. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to forget him, but. Um, <laughs> Obviously, great Welsh connection. Him coming down to us, that was that was brilliant as well. It's, it's fantastic. He's got a few boys in Pembrokeshire he knows. Um, so that was, yeah, that was great for him to turn up on the day as well. And uh, he's still, obviously, the fit boy. He's, he's a good good cricketer still. But we, we made a couple of games as well. We had a, a game against Wales XL, um, which which is another fantastic one. I'm part of Wales XL. I'm Pembrokeshire over 50, so there's a, a big pool of players there. And when I approached them to come down, they were they were delighted. And they came down and we had... Um, uh, we had a, a, like a night down there as well, and they stayed there. And we had a hell of a night down there, and they were brilliant. They brought a good crowd down, all in coloured kit, and we played different um, balls, orange balls, wherever playing, and had a great game against them. 
And then we were fortunate enough, I wrote away to the MCC just to see that there's a guy called Paul Reese. You're probably aware of Paul. Um, he's the South Wales MCC contact. So a guy in work with me, Carl Reed, who knew him, um, put my name forward to him and told him that it was our centenary year, any chance we can have a fixture. And so he has to take it then to MTC and Lords and it goes, goes spoke about it in a meeting. Um, and, and then they they luckily, about three months later, they phoned me and they said, yeah, we, we'd love to come down to play you or whatever for MTC, which was a fantastic occasion for us, especially our boys. It, it's a fantastic thing to have. Um, and then they came down there and they, we had a hell of a day, hell of a night, probably one of the best nights the club's ever taken me in the bar as well. It was unbelievable. And um, and it's going to be touch wood. I uh, spoke to Paul after the game and they, had that, they they enjoyed it that much that they're going to come down every other year and play us, uh, which, is, which is great for us. Absolutely brilliant. It's really, really good. I, I know at the PCA Legends event, which I, I came to, um, there was also a charity that was associated with the event that you were helping raise money for. Do you want to say a little bit about the connection with, with them and, 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 and how, how that came about? Yeah, Two, two Wish is, um, I, I work for a company called Valero and, and it's Two Wishes Valero Charity of the Year. Um, so when you when you read a little bit about it, it's it's really sad. It probably shouldn't be a charity for two, like Two Wish because it should be shouldn't need money like this to come from outside to, to help people with bereavement. Um, and it's happened to a few local people. Some some terrible things have happened, and and we just as as a club we thought we would get behind that because it started by a local girl, Rian Mannins from Nayland. Um, she unfortunately lost her son, and a, and a few days later lost her husband to suicide then as well. So it was it was really a bad thing sort of thing so the girls joy uh claire lynn and debbie in particular they they set up a, a like a women's committee and they they did a ladies day for the two wish foundation um so there's a girl sarah from swansea i think i believe she's based she came down from two wish uh, and they had 125 ladies turn up there and they made a lot of money made a couple of grand i think or whatever and then so I said to Sarah, look, we, we're gonna the, the game we're gonna play is gonna be for the two wish as well. So everything we did was for two wish. We Huck haven't made a penny out of the PCA Masters game. Um, and I can tell you now because it's pre-recorded, this this won't go out till October. But we've done the totals and, we, and we've made nearly twelve thousand pounds to give to two wish, um, which will which will be a, a presentation with a big check or whatever. Um it's Valero give us two thousand pounds towards it. And through the auction, they sold over 26 items on that silent auction, and you you saw some of the prizes there. They were a bit out of my league anyway. There, were, there was a few ridiculous ones on there, but people managed to buy them and they gave us £7,500 back from that, um, which was fantastic. And I sold nearly £2,000 with the raffle tickets as well, which which was great. So um, two wish will be... Well, we Once we paid for the day, because we sold all the tables as well, um, all our costs are covered and, and we'd still be able to give two wish somewhere around ten to £12,000 as well, which is which is like fantastic for a small club like us. It was clear from the day, uh, Jamie, that you'd mobilised everyone at the club to, to make it a success, um, which must have involved yeah. a lot of work uh, on your part and also, you know, a lot of, lot of effort from a lot of the other um, pl young players um, who were helping with oh, the yeah. bar. Um, they and, they and didn't, they didn't realise, they didn't realise what they had to do. Um, we, we sort of told them they'd be waiting tables, serving drinks to tables, but we didn't know they were going to be doing the food and everything as well. So, they were all coming off. They were, they were really, they, a lot of them saying we were too tired to play cricket. We've never done a work like that. It was like 200 people served in an hour and a half. We had the bearded chefs there who were Scott Gregory and Yian Power. They're, they're our resident chefs in the club and they're, they're fantastic boys as well. Um, and I'll give them a little bit of a shout out. I don't know if this will go out before, but they're running the um, Cardiff Half Marathon, the two of them, for Breast Cancer Wales. Um, so if if that does go out or whatever, it'd be, it'd be great for anyone to give them a little bit of help with that. 
Um, but they're they're two great boys, and they 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 look after our players every single Saturday when our boys are home or away. We come back to the club, and there's food they're always waiting for him. And, and he doesn't just do burger and chips or sausage and chips. It's uh, chicken gyros or pathas or whatever they are. And he does all these exotic food for the boys and they all love it. They, they, they love him as well. Him and Scott and the Iron, they're really good. And you saw Wayne behind the bar. Wayne is like, where's the check trousers? And he's like, uh, he runs he runs the bar there with, with all his staff. It, it was great. It was, um, but all, all, of, all the players, we had 24 boys involved, which was great. A few boys were away on holiday. Um, the two Willington boys, which would have been great to have them there, Oscar and Seth. Matthew Holden, who's one of the coaches here, he was away on holiday. There was a few boys missing. Um, so it, it would have been great if they'd have been there, but I'm sure they see the photos and see that we had a we had a great day there. And I'm guessing the feedback from guests on the day and uh, from people who were around was, was was all very positive, very very good. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Ed, Ed Giddens um, emailed me on the Monday um, just to let me know how they got on, and and he just said to me that it's one of the best PCA days they've ever had. Every one of the players were were couldn't couldn't praise Huck enough. It's a little bit like the the MCC. It's because I think we're more of a family club. We, we try and break everything. We, we, we know how lucky we were. Like Sam Patel, I won't tell you what he said to me when he got into the T Hotel on the Friday night when he drove six hours to get down there. He, uh, he, he was like, he couldn't believe that he'd actually travelled down this far to come, come and play cricket, which which like for us was was fantastic for them to actually put that effort in to do it. Like it's um, for, a, for a small club like ours, it's great. Um, like obviously, you've seen the net facility we got there as well, which is a community net. We had a grant from Sport Wales for like £40,000. So Hook Langham, Johnson and Burton, we all use the nets. All the ladies, because we've got ladies teams as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a good community around here. We're, we're lucky we got all the players we got here and people who, who do all the work. Anything else left for this centenary year, Jamie? Any other any other events? No, no we the only thing oh we yeah, we, the only thing we got is our cricket dinner, our centenary cricket dinner, which is gonna be held in um sort of late November, uh, which we're hope, hoping to have like a lot of ex and older players that they've contacted me to see when it is. Um, we did plan it for the same weekend as the as the PCA match, but it was just too much to do. We just couldn't do it. Uh, just trying to keep the whole thing in, in in September, early September. But no, that's that's going to be the next one. Um, so we, we'll see how we go. I also got to mention, I haven't mentioned him as well as David Petrie this year. He stepped up to be the groundsman because a couple of our groundsmen um, had been doing it for years, Keith and Skits, and and they they to be fair to them, they've done so much for us. They they decided uh, they needed a rest. And Dave Petrie and John Willington and myself have been doing it, but Dave and John did it for most of the season. I was sort of helping out. Those boys were coaching as well. So without without those pair as well, we, we wouldn't have had a, a season like we've had. But two final questions for you, Jamie. Um, clearly, you've done a hell of a lot this year. Would you recommend to other clubs um, to, to make that effort and take the plunge and try and get these sorts of uh, celebration games if they've got a big centenary oh. kind of coming up? I think so. I think if if you can, don't get me wrong. I haven't slept probably for six months. It's it's been a nightmare. I've probably been a nightmare with my wife and everything. And but but it's something that it's only going to happen once in our generation, our our lifetime sort of thing. And my boys and, and people at the club will will remember that for the rest of their life. Um, it was good because we had teams from Burton, had tables, Langham, our, our neighbouring village, and supposedly arch enemy sort of thing. They bought three tables at the at the thing, which and they, they all come up to me after and said how fantastic it was to to be sitting in the same room as Marty Panazar and people like that. So uh, yeah, I definitely would try and get them down. It's not all right. It's a little bit of money, but you can raise the money if you do plenty of time and you get local companies behind you. Like and you saw them there. There was 180 people in our club. I could have probably sold another 10 tables if I could have fitted them in. I had people and I'm wanting more tables, but I just could not fit them in physically. Um, and you, you you can do it, but it's a bit of work. You've got to you've got to do the legwork, which is I won't be doing another one. Put it that way. But we'll we'll, we'll see how we go. 
I'm okay. going to try and organise a tour for next year because I've been with the club for nearly 50 years and I've never been on tour. So we're, we're looking at maybe going to Amsterdam next year. The boys are going still on Friday. They're going for a two-day tour, but they're not playing. They're just going to the, the Sixes bar in Manchester. There's a cricket bar where you can actually have a net and play up there. So they're, they're going to that. So, um, But I'm not, I'm not going to that. Okay. And, and the last question really is about the club. Um, 100 years now, moving on next year, 101st. From your point of view, the club's in a good place and 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 ready for the challenges of the future. Yeah, it, it's in a great place. Obviously, the, the boys are, are young. Um, we will lose a couple early doors because they're in the university. Um, so they'll 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 come back hopefully after about four to five weeks. But our our first are so young there now. Hopefully, the big thing will be next year is trying to win or get come second in that second division and try and get into the first division and see where they go from there. Um, and, and if all them boys can stay together, we, we'll uh, we'll do all right. We'll do okay. But uh, yeah, Hook is in a, in a good place at the moment. It is. But Pembrokeshire cricket is is struggling a bit because it's it's trying to get the participation of, of youngsters playing cricket. It's hard because because of the football and the rugby playing twelve months of the year, it's very difficult for your child to to choose cricket because it doesn't get the exposure that football and rugby does. Um, so it's so it's very difficult to to persuade the the boys to keep playing. Um, so yeah, Pembroke Cricket needs to have a look and see if there's a, a better way of maybe going like from Division Three to Six, playing only thirty over games, so kids can start cricket at one and finish at five, and they still got time to do other things. Um, I, I don't know. There's other other things that we we they need to have a look at, but Hooks are in a good place at the moment, so hopefully it'll uh, it'll be alright for the next twenty thirty years. Ah! Evan, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and your current role at the club and perhaps a little bit of your past involvement with the club, the roles that you've performed in the past. Well, my name is Evan Martin. I've been involved with Hook Cricket Club for 80 years. I was born 1938, five years of age, that's when I was first involved with Hook Cricket Club. The cricketers at the time was more or less the, the miners of Hook Colliery Club, which was just down the road from here. They first played in a field adjacent to the colliery, where you had to go down one field, across the stream, and a bridge onto another field and then up onto a field which had a sharp incline and a big flat area on the top and at the age of five my job with another two boys that the same age as myself had to retrieve the ball if the if the ball went down over the incline. So that was my job. And tell me a little bit about the field. Uh, um, maybe not this field, but the original field that was it was donated by the miners. Is that right? No, no. It it belonged to a farmer, Mr. George Lewis of Nash. That's where they played the cricket first from 1923 up until 1947 when Hook Colliery closed 
and of course the miners then had to look for other jobs. You know, it was difficult, you know, but, but having said that, uh, the sons of the miners, including myself, were trying to make a pitch down Pell Road, which is a by road off Hock Pier, and uh, we started playing down there until we came here, this field here where we are now, where we built our club here. There were pits in this field and they all had to be filled up. But we started playing up, up here in this field in 1949-1950. The league started in 1953 as Hook Cricket Club. We haven't looked back since. And I'm guessing you graduated from retrieving the ball at five years old to playing yes. a little bit of cricket yourself. When did that yes, happen? Yes, I have. Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about your playing career. Well, my father, he played before me. He played before me. He was a he was a miner. He worked underground, and uh, at the time, of course, the war, Second World War, was on. But he volunteered to go to the army. But he also played cricket as well. But uh, I di really didn't know my father until I was. Five years of age when I said when I was involved with cricket, but uh, he was wicketkeeper hook when he when he would come home from the army. I have to say, I I uh, I have been involved with Hook Cricket Club for so many years, and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah. Have there been times when the club has been successful and uh, won trophies and competitions? Well, we've uh, we've won the league once in the in the first division, and I was so proud of that. Yes. When when was that, uh, Evan? That was in 1958. And what about the uh, the Pembrokeshire Cup competition, the Harrison Allen? Have the club reached? The final? Oh my goodness me. We, yes, we've been there. As far as I'm concerned, in my playing days, we were there in 1958 and 1964. And we lost twice. But we should have won, we should have won the first one. 1958 one, we should have won. We lost by three runs. Oh my goodness, yes. I was so... Uh, Disappointed. I have to say that I have enjoyed my cricket and I wish I could go out and play now, even. And yeah. what official positions have you held at the club over the years, Evan? Oh, well, I've uh, more or less every position I can think of, to be honest. Uh, I've been groundsman, I've been chairman. 
I've been uh, president, which I am now, which I am very proud of. But what I think, when I come here now, I am delighted to see the team we got now of youngsters. And when you come here and you see the young, young generation we got here now, and the age, the age group is 22 years of age. And that delights me. That is the type, that's keeping me young. That is keeping me young. I'm right in thinking that you're not the only member of your family that's played for or is playing for the club, am I right? No, my, my two sons played for the club, yes. And they were good, they were good. Although I say it to myself, I never boost them up. I had a left-hand bowler, my son, one of them, a left-hand bowler and a right-hand bat. And the other one was the other way about. And one played for Glamorgan, and that was Gary. But the other one, I think, should have played as well for Glamorgan. Yes. And any grandchildren that play? Yes, I have grandchildren. That is Gary's son. His name is Brennan Martin. And he plays a hook. And I'm delighted to see that he's doing well as well. Yes, yes. And the club, it's been here, well, 100, celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Yes. It's been in the village a long, long time. Yes. Is it an important part of village life? Well, I think it is. It is. And what we see today, we've always had a welfare hall here, and that was from the miners, the miners of uh, Hook Colliery. We've got a club here today which promotes under, under 11s, under 13s, under 17s, under 19s. We've got first and second divisions, and we've also got a ladies' team. So that can't be bad, can it? And today we've had uh, the club playing a, a, a number of games with some uh, PCA legends, some professional cricketers' yes, association yes. legends who've turned up. Lovely. Um, has that been a good day to celebrate well, the, the, the club? It's, it's been a delight to me to see this. A delight. And I've got to say, I know Jamie Phelps, he's been a big organiser of this. I wish I could do more. I've done my time. And I'm sorry, I've, I wish I could do more. That is in my, that is in my head. I wish I could go out there and play cricket today. I wish I could. 
Do you know what? I, have, I haven't even asked you, Evan. Yeah. What sort of a cricketer were you? Were you a batsman or a bowler or well, a both? Or? I was a bowler, really. Yes. I opened the bowling park at my time. Yes. I scored a few runs. Were you quick? But Well, I was medium pace. At, when you say, uh, was I quick? In these days, I wasn't quick, you know, but I thought I was quick at the time, but... And could you do a little bit with the ball? Would you move it away and move it in or move it off the pitch? Well, that is the thing, isn't it, these days? That is the thing. Now, my son, my son Gary could. My son, he could move it both ways. And that's what you've got to do. To make a good cricketer, as a bowler, you have to... You have to do something with the ball. Be it fast, be it medium, be it spin. You have to move the ball both ways if you can. And that's what makes a good cricketer, a bowler. For a batsman, then he has to promote himself to that way of batting. Yes. Village life often throws up its characters, uh, Evan. Yes, yes. Um, have there been some characters down through the years playing for Hook Cricket oh, Club? Oh, Lord alive, yes. Can My we, goodness can, me. <laughs> can, yes. we, can we talk about one or two of them oh, that you remember? Lord. Oh, what are you talking about? Yes. Are there any leap, that leap into your mind when you think yes, back yes. in the past? Oh, my. Yes, yes. We had, a, we had a player, first of all, a captain for more or less eight years. Eight years. And his name was Teddy Hitchens. Hitch, he used to call him Hitch. And he'd be saying, hi boy, hi boy. You know, this is the way to do it, you know. And... Uh, he was some man, he was, yeah. He always took me under his wing, like, you know, and I, I'm older than him, but that's the way he was. He was that kind of person. We were the first to go to places where we played, and we, we, were, the, we were the last to come from there, yeah. We always got ourselves involved, no matter where we went. We enjoyed ourselves, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to enjoy yourself playing cricket, and that's, that's what you have to do, yeah. But I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of it. But there were quite a few players. Gerald Thomas, Gerald Thomas, another stalwart of Hook. He even sponsored Hook Cricket Club for years, and he's still doing it now. Although he's passed away, but his son, his son, the firm, the firm is still doing it now to these days, still sponsoring Hook Cricket Club. And that is, without a doubt, 
What can you say? What can you say? And who who are the local rivals here um, with you in Hook? Do you have a team or uh, teams? local rivals? <coughs> well, it's always been local rivals. It's always been Langham. Langham in the past, yes. And why not? That's how it should be, you know. But these days, it has calmed down a bit. It has calmed down a bit. Was it, was it, it quite was. feisty From in the old days, was. was it? From what it was, <laughs> it has calmed down. But the spirit is still there. The spirit is still there. And when we come off the field, we enjoy it. We enjoy it. Yes. And cricket in Pembrokeshire, um, has it always been good? Uh, and do you feel it's as good today as it perhaps was in the past? Or have there been past times when cricket was stronger? Or Well, yes, I have to say, I have to say, in the past, they've been cricketers, I would say, honestly, in the past, had we had the coaches down here in the past I'm sure there will be many more uh, cricketers playing for Glamorgan even Surrey or wherever without a doubt without a doubt and that goes with every sport within Pembrokeshire had they had the proper coaches I'm I'm going back years now. I'm going back years. Yeah. They would have been far better uh, players playing here. The club is a hundred years old this yes, year. Yes. What are your hopes and expectations for the club in the next one hundred years? Do you hope they'll My still be here? Say. All I can say is. I hope it will be here. I come, do you know something? I come over here now, watch the boys, and the team we got here now is youngsters, youngsters. And I delight in, when I come here, I see them playing, and what a delight. I see. What a delight, I see. They're keeping me young. They're keeping me young. Yeah. And you s we just, we just thought the ball was coming in our direction. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And you say it keeps you young. Yes. Will you continue to come and watch for as long as you're able? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. As long as I can walk or... No matter anybody pick me up, I'll be here. I'll be here. This is my life. This is my life. Yes. There's a lot of club cricketers around Wales who feel exactly the same way as, as you, Evan, about yes, the game. Yes, yes, Um I wonder if you could put a finger on what it is for you about the game that makes you love it so much. Why have you, why have you spent 80 years of your life with this club and, and involved in the game of cricket, can you can you say? Well, I've been I've been involved in sport all my life. I played rugby for Langham. 
and I play cricket for Hook. I've, in school, I've been involved in athletics, and I've always been sport-minded. Always been sport-minded. So, cricket, yes, we, as a, as a kid, we uh, sort of played French cricket, where you held the bat in front of your legs, moved around. You, the body didn't move around, but the bat did. And if the, bat, if the ball hit the legs, you were out. And it stemmed from there. It stemmed from there. So, yeah, I have to say, this is my life. This is my life. Evan, thank you for giving up your time to chat to me today. Yeah. Um, I hope people will appreciate listening to you and um, best of luck with the rest of the centenary year and any yes. more celebrations you got left. Yeah. And best of luck for the seasons ahead as well. And I'm sorry that I couldn't have put it over more better to you. I think you did a grand job. Many, many thanks to Dave, Jamie and Evan for giving up their time and for all the hard work they do to keep the flag of cricket flying in their little corner of Pembrokeshire. Next time, we're on the search for county championship record breakers. We speak to Kieran Carlson about his career best innings this season in a record-breaking Glamorgan second innings response against Sussex at Hove. And just to make it interesting, we track down Mal Loy, the ex-Northants, Lancashire and England batsman, who scored his career best against Glamorgan in the innings that Glamorgan's record Blakers replaced earlier this year. So do join us again when we'll be hearing some more stories about the great game of cricket from the great country of Wales. Hoilvau! Bye for now. Story you have Nigadani. Macrosic Gisilti. A Bosch MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail dot com. Nay, Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nay, Intidalin Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.